This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent in studio with Java Chapman. Mayor Margaret Miller is out this week. Today we'll continue our celebration of the state's bicentennial with a look at the state's first TVA city, Tupelo. And you'll find out what TVA means pretty shortly here. And that uh, interview is going to be with Neil McCoy. We'll also welcome Royce Boyer to tell us about the bicentennial fanfare happening in Jackson this weekend. Pamela Jr. will tell us about the Smith-Robertson Museum and Cultural Center. It has a very interesting history. Excited to hear about that one. And it's Grammy Week. We'll celebrate Mississippi's contribution with trivia throughout the show and hear what's happening at Grammy Museum Mississippi with Vicki Jackson. You can give us a call and tell us about any local events going on in your area. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You can also follow the conversation on Twitter by searching the hashtag NextStopMS. Good morning to you, Java and Sam. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing fine, doing fine. Glad to be here. It's cold outside, Sharita. It is cold, I guess, but it's going to be warm today. It's going to get up to the 70s. Yesterday it was 57, so, yeah, this weather's pretty weird, but, you know, I'm just, just taking it uh, in stride. in February. You got to yes. love it. Now, I have to mention that Mary Margaret is actually in Los Angeles. She's uh, participating in Grammy Week and representing Mississippi. They have a Mississippi night in L.A., uh, where some folks are going to be performing. I know Bobby Rush is there. I'm not sure. Maybe Cedric Burnside, but I know Bobby Rush for sure is there. And uh, Bobby Rush is up for a Grammy. Vasti Jackson is up for a Grammy. So Mississippi is well represented. And I think uh, when it comes to the amount of Grammys, it's 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 some kind of statistic about... We are number one. Yeah, about Mississippi uh, having won the most Grammys out of all the artists. So it makes sense that there is a Mississippi night in L.A., and I'm completely jealous because Mary Margaret is in L.A. She's working, but she's probably having a little fun, too. So uh, that's what's going on there. Yeah, I'm sure she's having a great time. I have no doubt in my mind about that. that that's a great uh, that's a great perk to be a Mississippi for her uh, to get over to the Grammy Awards. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it actually was last night. And um, they did celebrate Mississippi because, I mean, we are the birthplace of America's music. So. That's right. I mean, you can't get around that even if you wanted to. That's right. We hold on to that slogan, that fact. Um, well, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be celebrating our bicentennial. That we're going to celebrate it all throughout the year. And uh, each week this year, we'll uh, look at MPB's series, A Threat Through Time. I had the opportunity to um, be one of the, the spokespersons on this particular series, Marshall Ramsey as well, Carrie Grayson Horn, who's going to be featured on this one. But uh, in this week, we speak about the topic uh, covered, which is, a one-minute documentary as we celebrate the bicentennial. And uh, this week features Tupelo, and here's this week's installment. In February of 1934, Tupelo became the first city to purchase electrical power from the new Tennessee Valley Authority, the federal government's initiative to bring low-cost hydroelectric power to rural areas in the South. In the early 1930s, only 10% of rural households nationwide and less than 2% in Mississippi had the benefit of electricity. Many Southern farm families lived in desperate poverty, a problem compounded by the effects of the Great Depression. 
Representative John E. Rankin of Mississippi, a supporter of FDR's New Deal programs, co-authored the TVA bill. With the construction of the dams and wiring of rural areas, electricity improved rural life, grew local economies, and helped stem the migration from farms to cities. This has been Mississippi, a thread through time. All right, and joining us on the line now is Neil McCoy. We're going to talk a little bit more about Tupelo. Neil, good morning. Thank you so much for being on today. Hey, Sharita. How are you this morning? Doing very well. So I assume Tupelo is still benefiting from the Tennessee Valley Authority deal. Would, would you Would you agree with that? Oh, that, that may be the understatement of the day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are, you know, uh, Tupelo being the first TVA city, and we are very proud of that today. It, it still pays off for us today. And so much so that we have a kind of a historical, iconic landmark right at Crosstown, which is the major intersection in Tupelo of Main Street and Gloucester. There is a neon arrow that lights up that points towards downtown Tupelo. And on that sign, it says Tupelo, first TVA city. And so that's still relevant today. It is one of our most photographed uh, landmarks in Tupelo. And so it is still very much front and center today that Tupelo is the first city to receive TVA power as a part of FDR's New Deal. Well, I know it's probably common knowledge that Tupelo is the birthplace of Elvis Presley, uh, but what are some other little-known facts about Tupelo that are are very intriguing? Uh, Is the Buffalo Park still in operation? Yeah, yeah. So the Buffalo Park is in operation. Uh, A gentleman by the name of Dan Franklin uh, had started this collection of buffaloes he was kind of on the you know going around on rodeo circuits and somebody happened to have a buffalo at one of the rodeos and he thought that thing was a just a very interesting creature powerful and you know just a very iconic of uh, americana uh roman the open plains and so he bought one and then he bought two and then it turned into at one time he had the largest herd of buffalo east of the mississippi river Wow. Now, since then, he uh, he has really, uh, at that time, he was really just collecting buffalo, and, and, and he had buffalo, and then he saw that uh, people had interest in seeing these animals, and then he realized that people were interested in more animals. So while his herd of buffalo may have shrunk, he has diversified his offerings, and so it's a full-scale zoo here in Tupelo that has quite the experience. You can load up on the bison bus, which is uh, like a school bus with monster truck tires, and drive out through the fields and you'll be with zebras and watusis and all these different longhorns and buffaloes and there is actually a feeding station where you could stop off and actually feed the animals. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> uh, so would you consider Tupelo a town or a city? Because, I mean, as far as the population and its size, it's one of the, the biggest in uh, Lee County for sure. But how, how do you guys describe yourselves? Yeah, so we are. We're a city. Uh, we're the <laughs> largest city in our region. Uh, we have a population of just right at 38,000 people, according to the last census. And Tupelo is really the economic hub of northeast Mississippi. We have a large medical center, which is the largest rural hospital in America. We have uh, two of the state's largest uh, banks headquartered in downtown Tupelo, Renaissance Bank and Bancorp South. Both of their headquarters and their operations centers are both here in Tupelo. We are the county seat for Lee County, which means we have uh, a high uh, density of, of attorney's offices because a lot of court proceedings take place here and so we have a nice diverse economy and that doesn't even mention the fact that we 
have a large manufacturing presence with the furniture market. And now as we have moved into the 21st century with uh, automotive manufacturing, high-tech manufacturing, so we have a nice diverse economy. 38,000 people, but on any given business day, Sharita, our population grows to close to 100,000 people that commute into work and Mm. shop and explore Tupelo. Hey Neil, this is uh, Java Chapman here, and uh, I, I have family up in uh, in the Oxford area, and they would always talk about how they would go down to Tupelo. I guess before Oxford expanded as much as they did, and come to Tupelo and go go shopping. But uh, I can see you guys are a certified city as you won the All America City Award, uh, not one, not two, but five times. Yeah, that's right, Java. Uh, we we have we have we along with Tallahassee, Florida are the only cities in the South to have received the All-America designation five times. And that is given to the National League of Cities. And each year, the National League of Cities has different criteria for which the All-America City is awarded. So the last time we won it was in 2016. And we set out, and what they wanted to see is how you are addressing issues with at-risk boys and you know how are you addressing um, uh, rising obesity in in you know your city and all these things and so we put together a package and based on that package they said that Tupelo uh, is, is addressing those needs and because of that America is going to be better if they follow models that Tupelo has put forth so we did that and the first one we won was based on our ability to seg- uh, to integrate our segregated schools peacefully and without any opposition um, in the community. We did it. We came together. Uh, and that's one of our great success stories, Java. If you go back and look and, and you see that at a time when our schools were not integrated, it came time to have our schools integrated, Tupelo said, we're going to do this the right way. And so the black leaders, the white leaders sat down at the table and we integrated our schools. Not one teacher lost a job, and both principals at the at the black schools kept their positions as principals as we integrated our schools. And so that's, that's something that you blow that keeps us moving forward. And yeah. that's something you probably wouldn't find in the history books, right? And, right. And we're telling some of those stories now through our Heritage Trail Enrichment Program, and so people that are interested in coming and hearing about our success stories. Now I say all that to say that man, we we certainly have some black eyes that happened during that time. We we. It was not all rosy and, and peaceful, okay? So, mm. you know, there, there are stories to be told of struggle and, and, and oppression, and, and but we came together to kind of rise above that. And I think that's the part that we need to tell, to continue to tell, is that there is opposition. There are going to be struggles. But if you do it the right way, you will do things and you will be a better community for it. Well, Neil, uh, since we're going into the weekend, I uh, wanted to talk about some of your attractions, your entertainment attractions. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the Blue Canoe and some of the live music that people can experience if they go there? Yeah, so the Blue Canoe is one of our hottest uh, live music venues here in Tupelo. Um, a guy by the name of Adam Morgan started this, and Adam puts together a really funky southern psychedelic place 
that has a great menu where Sharita and Java, I'm going to invite you up. You got to come up here and experience this this menu. You okay. Can get, you can get fried black eyed peas in a mason jar. <laughs> okay. That's, that's they the will outside. fry anything in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is off limits. Yeah, and so they've had they have amazing lineup of music. Look, I'm going to tell you a few people that have played the Blue Canoe. These are alumni of Blue Canoe. Okay. Okay. Gary Clark Jr. Ah. The Alabama Shakes. Mm, one of my favorites. Yeah, and 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 Ryan Adams. I mean, I'm sorry, Ryan Clark. The list goes on and on of the people that have played Blue Canoe that have showed up on Grammy stages and, and you know have you know won numerous awards. And uh, so Adams got a real good feel for uh, live music. I think 46 of the next 48 days he has live music at Blue Canoe. Wow, that's awesome. Well, there's also the Gumtree Museum of Art. Uh, is that some uh, a particular venue that gets a lot of uh, traction? It does, and they have wonderful exhibits that rotate in and out. And they're also the, the organization that hosts the annual Gumtree Arts Festival, which is held each May. And so you can go into the museum. It's open on a daily basis. You can walk in. There is no admission charge. And you can see wonderful exhibits that rotate in and out. And, uh, you know, I think what you've kind of heard me talk a lot about here is there's a recurring theme here, and that, that's our art scene in Tupelo. We have a mm-hmm. symphony. We have multiple art galleries in downtown Tupelo. We have a wonderful ballet troupe. We have uh, a local community theater, and then we have an off-Broadway community theater. We have an improv group here. We have... Um, you know, just the list goes on and on of all the different arts that we have in our community. And you can find all these things by going to Tupelo.net and search through all the things to do, our calendar, all the uh, different organizations that put on events. They're listed on Tupelo.net. Awesome, Neil. Well, we are going to hold you to that. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm coming. Hide <laughs> Black Eyed Pea meal. As yeah. long as it's on the house, we're in the house. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you all for having me on today. Absolutely, Neil. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Have a good weekend. You too. We appreciate it. All right. All right. Uh, so once again, Tupelo and the Tennessee Valley Authority, that was one of the features for our uh, bicentennial documentary series, A Threat Through Time on MPB. And you can catch the next installment of A Threat Through Time Sunday night at 6 p. 6.59 p.m. on MPB TV. And if you miss it there, you can find it and all previous episodes on our website on mpbonline.org. Uh, before we go to the break, we're going to go to Chico in Oxford, who's been holding very patiently. Chico, thank you uh, for calling in. What event do you want to talk about? Good morning, y'all. Good morning. Good morning. I have a Mississippi bicentennial moment, but first I want to say it was great to hear Neil McCoy on there this morning. For years, I have watched the great job he has done promoting Tupelo, and I know he's got a lot to work with over there, but he has done a fantastic job, and that wasn't conveyed in his interview. He didn't brag on himself like Mm -hmm. he should have. He's correct about the Blue Canoe, and there's other places in Tupelo as well called Romy's, and um, a new place called the Thirsty Devil. They're doing a fantastic job with live music. Yeah. But also, it's cool that Mary Margaret's out in Los Angeles for Grammys Week, and I hope Bent May is involved in that somehow. He's uh, one of Mississippi's greatest musicians, and he lives in Los Angeles. Okay. So, so maybe maybe that's happening. Um, my Mississippi Bicentennial moment is that 90 years ago today in Laurel, Mississippi, the great Leontine Price was born. Yes. He is without a doubt one of Mississippi's greatest contributions of music to Mississippi to the entire world. 
And it's, her being 90 today, she's been – Mississippi had only gotten 110 years since statehood was granted. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a, that's a, an amazing fact, uh, Chico. Let me tell you all what I'm doing tonight. Tell us. Going to Water Valley to the great Yalabusha Brewery at 7 p.m. to hear the great George McConnell sing and play that guitar like only he can. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Know George, he was in the great Mississippi band, Bingland. Mm-hmm. And now he's in the great Mississippi band, the Kudzu Kings. And he also plays solo out around the southeast. Wow. And we're going to rush back into Oxford, though, to Proud Larry's to catch Ann Freeman and the Garbage Sons. The Garbage Sons are some great Mississippi musicians. Kel Kellum, Harrison Smith, uh, Eric Carlton, and Ethan Frank. And they back up Anne, who plays guitar and writes her songs and sings wonderful. She is the daughter of Johnny Freeman, the great Mississippi guitar player and singer who played with the Gants. Wow. Well, sounds like you're getting Grammy uh, weekend started off great. Yes, you know your stuff, uh, Chico. Well, I actually started Wednesday night, but I'm really excited about <laughs> Excellent. Well, we appreciate you calling and uh, sharing that information. Maybe some folks will join you. Uh, thank you so much for calling, Chico. Absolutely, y'all. Thank you. All right. Well, Chico's uh, going to see our friends, uh, Sharita, the Yellow Ocean Brewing Company, Andy and uh, old John Kofer up there. That's a good place. Yeah. The Mississippi Blues Trail beer up there. Absolutely. And uh, Chico brought up Grammy Week, and I uh, mentioned we're going to be doing some Grammy trivia throughout the show uh, just to kind of test your knowledge. All right, so here's the first one. The Missis- this Mississippi artist was nominated for Record of the Year at the inaugural Grammy Awards in 1959 for... A fool such as I. Name him. I'll repeat it. The Mississippi artist, this Mississippi artist was nominated for Record of the Year at the inaugural Grammy Awards in 1959 for A Fool Such As I. Name him. 877-MPB-RING is the number. 877-672-7464 is the number. If you know the answer, give us a call. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Ridgeland, Mississippi Fine Arts Festival, April 1st and 2nd at the Renaissance at Colony Park with fine art and live entertainment. Featuring the Sante South Wine Festival and Oboe Tandem Cycling Rally. Details at RidgelandArtsFest.com. Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent in studio with Java Chapman. Mary Margaret Miller is out this week. She is in L.A. celebrating the Grammys and Mississippi's influence on the Grammys. So she's there probably working but having a little fun, too. Uh, So we are celebrating the state's bicentennial with a couple features today. Uh, We just talked about Tupelo and uh, Royce Boyer is in studio with us. He's going to tell us about uh, the bicentennial fanfare happening in Jackson this weekend. Still to come, Smith-Robertson Museum. We're going to learn about it and its impact. And since it is Grammy Week, we'll celebrate uh, Mississippi's contribution to the Grammys with trivia throughout the show and hear what's happening at Grammy Museum Mississippi with Vicki Jackson. So I'm going to give the question again. This I is can't the, believe nobody called in yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to give a, a, this is the first bit of trivia, and we'll give them a second. They're probably Googling the answer. But, all right, here it is. This Mississippi artist was nominated for Record of the Year at the inaugural Grammy Awards in 1959 for A Fool Such As I. Name that artist. 
Miss Mississippi Artist was nominated for Record of the Year at the inaugural Grammy Awards in 1959 for A Fool Such As I. Name that artist. The number is 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464 if you want to call with the answer. All right. Good morning to you, Mr. Boyer. Thank you for being in. Thank you very much, Rita. Nice to be on your program. Absolutely. Well, talk with us a little bit about the Fanfare Festival. This is the second installment of the festival, right? It is. We uh, actually had a brass group that was one of our artist groups that played on the Mississippi Chamber Music Guild series last year. And we moved the event into the old Capitol, and it was such an unusual uh, sort of situation that they played a fanfare in the rotunda, and then we moved into the house chamber. The mayor was there and so forth. So we are doing it again, and we have a brass quintet from Mississippi College playing the fanfare, but it's special fanfare because we commissioned Mississippi composer James Slaughter Mm. to write a fanfare. It's only 45 seconds long, but uh, it's for brass quintet, and he's also arranged it for concert bands so that we are making the music available to all schools in the state of Mississippi to play before a football game or whatever. And uh, so it's going to get a lot of mileage, we hope. And they will hear that at noon this uh, tomorrow, Saturday, in the Capitol Rotunda, the old Capitol now on State Street, not Mm -hmm. the what we call the new Capitol. And then we move into the House Chamber, and we have several entertaining groups that we are featuring. Uh, The executive director of Mississippi Arts Commission, Malcolm White, to deliver what he is calling, and we are calling, the state of the arts in Mississippi. So that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, sort of a big deal uh, to get his uh, uh, bent on that. He's the top guy in that field. Yes, he and is. And he's been around the arts a lot, so he's a very in- interesting person. Well, so could, you, could you talk uh, a little bit about the the style of fanfare? Because some people may not be familiar with it. Well, fanfare is, you know, is to get you out of your seat and mm-hmm. your attention. So I've not heard it myself. I've seen the music, and oh. I've... Sort of heard it in my mind. I'm a musician, but until you really hear it, and so we'll get about three cracks to hear it tomorrow. And hopefully, it'll be in our the melody be in our minds, and those of us that are there will recognize it. But it's a it's a not a simple little two 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 deal. You know, it's a it's a really good, well written fanfare. Something that's gonna really get you going. Yeah, to get you going. That's right. Your attention. And what uh, what uh, instruments you said it's going to be played by brass quintet? Brass quintet. Yeah, two trumpets, horn, okay, uh, trombone, and tuba. All right. And um, so it uh, it'll be a thrilling forty five seconds, and that's mm-hmm. what fanfares are supposed to be. Just Short, to f- sweet. Fill your belly up and and make it that's from right. to your heart and hopefully that's to your hands. That's it. Get you out of your seat. <laughs> so, who are you expecting to uh, come out and support this event, or who are you trying to target? Well, of course, it's open to the public. There's no charge. We have uh, uh, a singing group from Jackson State that's going to perform with Harlan Zachary. You know, may know Dr. Zachary. And we have uh, a skit from uh, New Stage Theater actors about the uh, Underground Railroad during the Civil War. Mm. They're reducing something down. We have a horn, French horn quartet from the Mississippi Symphony that's going to be performing. And we have, I'm um, trying to think very quickly here, a couple other uh, entertainments that will uh, will fill up about an hour and a half at noon for about one thirty. But the feature will be the fanfare around the rotunda to 
be premiere performance. Then at 12.30, Malcolm White will deliver his talk, and uh, and we'll, uh, it's a relaxed thing. It's not a intense dress-up affair. It's just come as you are and enjoy. Beautiful place, by the way. And we've got a portrait of Andrew Jackson that we're going to display, uh, painted by... Uh, 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 I'm trying to think of Carl, Carl Wolf, a very well-known painter that's been around, and that's being lent to us by the Municipal Art Gallery for the time, and his daughter is going to talk about it a little bit. So we have the visual arts, the literary arts, the musical arts represented here in our little uh, event. Absolutely. Well, could you tell us a little bit about the uh, Mississippi Chamber Music Guild? Well, it's our third season. We uh, like to think we do some educational events. We like to think we employ our professional musicians locally, and we bring in uh, outside uh, national, international groups. This year we have Mobius Guitar Trio playing tonight, actually, at St. Andrew's Cathedral. They're a young uh, guitar trio from San Francisco that will do a wonderful program. They commission a lot of new works and they play both electric and acoustic guitar. They have background in rock and roll and jazz and classical. So they're playing more classical tonight for the Chamber Guild. But they're a very versatile group. So they're at 7.30 at St. Andrew's Cathedral tonight. And then tomorrow night, Saturday night at 7.30, we have a string quartet of wonderful graduate students from the University of Southern Mississippi. All they're right. playing the, the famous Debussy String Quartet, and the flute professor there is coming with them, and he is playing with them the uh, Mozart Flute Quartet and a couple other pieces on that program. Both of them at 7.30 at St. Andrew's Cathedral downtown. We kept everything downtown. Well, uh, can you tell people where they can go to find more information about the Fanfare Festival if they want to see a schedule? Uh, the best of place would be our website, okay. MSCMG. MSCMG. ChamberMusicGuild.net. All right. And awesome. it's all on there. You can buy a ticket online. <laughs> all right. Well, Royce, thank you so much for being thank here today. You, we really appreciate nice it. Nice to be on thank your you. program. All right. So we think we have an answer to uh, our Grammy question. Uh, it is, this Mississippi artist was nominated for Record of the Year at the inaugural Grammy Awards in 1959 for A Fool Such As I. Name him, okay? Alex is on the line. I think he has an answer. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. Hey, what's the answer? It is the king. There we go. That is right. And, of course, what king are you talking about? Elvis Presley. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Elvis won three Grammy Awards. He did not win that year, but finally became a Grammy winner in 1967. Uh, his second gospel record, How Great Thou Art, won Best Sacred Performance. All right, Alex, thank you so much for that answer. I'm going to put you back on hold. Uh, we appreciate you calling in, Alex. All right, did you know that answer? I did, uh, because <laughs> Sam told me about it yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, so we're getting ready to go to the break, but we're going to ask another trivia question. We're celebrating Grammy Week and Mississippi's contributions uh, to the Grammys. The second question, this Mississippi artist was nominated last year for I Can't Lose. That's the name of the song, which was on Mark Ronson's Uptown Special album. She was also on the show uh, maybe last year, year before last. I don't remember, Sam. It was last year. Last year, yes. This Mississippi artist 
was nominated last year for I Can't Lose, which was on Mark Ronson's Uptown special album. She was also on this show. Uh, and give us she a call. was responsible for um, Jackson, Mississippi being in the song Uptown Funk. That's right. She's the reason. That's right. Give us a call. 877-MPB-RING. That's actually her in the background. Give us a call. 877-672-7464 with the answer. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Robert Krulwich from Radiolab. We're told that smell triggers memories in the brain. So if you're in your car, let's try something. Roll up your windows and inhale, okay? There are some memories you cherish and others that just um, linger. But now here's a thought. How about contributing this barrel of aroma that is your car to your favorite public radio station? And you might even get a tax deduction. Thanks. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent in studio with Java Chapman. Mary Margaret Miller is out this week, uh, but we have been celebrating the state's bicentennial. And in just a moment, Pamela Jr. is going to join us and we'll learn a little about Smith Robertson Museum, which has an amazing history. And it's uh, such a good time to talk about it during Black History Month. So we're going to talk with Pamela about that. But we're also celebrating Mississippi's contributions to the Grammys. And we asked a trivia question before the break. Java, no one. Has called. I'm, now, I'm thoroughly surprised. Now, the the answer to this trivia question this this artist is is much more modern and she's she's new and contemporary. So a lot of people may not know who she is. But I'm going to give our listeners a little more time to call in. So this Mississippi artist was nominated last year for I Can't Lose, which was on Mark Ronson's Uptown special album. She's from Jackson, Mississippi. She was on this show last year. So uh, give us a call 877 MPB ring if you know the answer. That's eight seven seven. And uh, if you don't know the answer, we will tell you shortly. (laughs) All right. Uh, Good morning to you, Ms. Pamela Jr. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. morning. I'm just happy to be here. Absolutely. And I'm happy you're here, too, because uh, the Smith Robertson Museum is an amazing space. I've got an opportunity to uh, be in there and view some of the exhibits, and we'll get into that. Uh, But could you talk about the the namesake Smith Robertson? That that piece of history alone is is very, very uh, intriguing and important for people to know. Mr. Smith Robertson, without a hyphen. Because people think that is, you know, two last names and two people. But Mr. Smith Robertson is a former slave from Fayette, Alabama, that made his trek to Jackson, Mississippi. And his skill, he was a barber. He got here, and the first thing he needed to do is find a job. So he worked across from what we call the old capital. Mm -hmm. And there was a hotel, and he worked at the Spengler Hotel. And he cut the white politician's hair. He would listen to the information and take it back to the African-American community, he helped to pay for the land, which uh, the music, the school or museum sits on, and which was $2,500. And they, they, he was the first black city councilman or alderman for mm-hmm. the city of Jackson. He wasn't what we would call, he didn't have to go through an election, but he was, he was actually just handpicked. 
uh, from uh, the politicians that put him in that place. And he went into his second term. He died. And it took a very long time before another African-American was put into that position. Wow. Now, Smith-Robertson almost wasn't a museum. Now, it it used to be uh, a school for African-American children in Jackson, and it was the first school. Yes. Okay. Uh, So how long was the school open and what was it like? It it seems like that was great. It's the first public school. What happened was um, a, a law came about that no educational funds could be given out unless all children are educated. That was in 1869. And so here we have a small fire engine house that they found. They put seven children in that fire engine house. They learned how to read, write, and do math. But they needed a larger place because there was too many children walking, coming into this fire engine house. What did they do? They opened the basements of churches, and they said, we have to find a permanent location. So they found a permanent location for the school, which is 528 Bloom Street. The school there stayed there until January 3rd, 1909. They got there that morning. Of course, no cell phones, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And the school had been burnt down. But they didn't know. The, the Clarence ledger stated that it was allegedly arson. But the thing here is that they did not know the will of a people because children are wanting to be educated. These folks got an African-American contractor, rebuilt that school with brick and mortar in nine months. Wow. And the nine school months. stayed open until 1970, when integration came about and mm-hmm. children were being bused to other communities and schools. It stayed abandoned. And Dr. Jesse B. Mosley, mm-hmm. Dr. Afertine Harrison, read in the Jackson Daily News that this building was going to be bulldozed for an apartment complex. They found those women. 200 signatures and were able to take those signatures to City Hall. Registered voters took this to City Hall and they were able to buy the facility for one dollar. Wow. And get a, they got a community development block grant for a million dollars to rehab the building. That's amazing. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. Very amazing. uh, I've been to the Smith Robinson Museum uh, several times and I like that I think it's like the first exhibit, the the desk. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Uh, is that from the? Um... That's from the 1935 okay. school, and and what you saw has been done in the last four years. Mm-hmm. What we did was, I I had a little girl to ask me one day after doing a tour. She kind of yanked on my on my dress and said, "Were you a slave?" Hmm. And I just looked at her because I had to comprehend that. And I said, I got I have to do something. So I went to at that particular time, Mayor Harvey Johnson and said, give me a, a chance to make this budget work for us. Mm-hmm. What did we do? We closed the museum for one year and did the total change that you see today when you walk in there. Wow. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, the, the the different exhibits and what it looks like and what's the purpose, uh, how it's being purposed today. I know you have lots and lots of tours, but could you talk about some of the permanent exhibits that people can see anytime they go in the museum? Well, one of our favorite is, of course, the retrospective gallery of the life and time of Mega Wiley Evers. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of folks, we're just regular folks. We're the regular Joe Blow. That's what Mega Wiley Evers was. It's this thing called destiny that sits on top of your head, purpose. Mm -hmm. And he had no idea 
that this is what he was going to end up being. But we talk about him from a child, his parents, his siblings, and how he got to be the first field secretary for the NAACP. CNN noted that in 2014, we were the museum to come to for the state of Mississippi. Mm. How big is that? That's huge. 50 states, 50 spots. Also, we have a permanent gallery which talks about from Africa to Mississippi, where we have the hull of the slave ship, yes. where you can walk in there, you can feel. This is like a holy grail for me. When I'm having a bad time throughout the day or a bad week, I go in there. I'm able to connect with my ancestors because without them, the integrity, the fortitude, the strength, I would not be. Mm-hmm. So that is important for people to 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 go through that, to experience that. Those are the places. Throughout the museum, we have fine art, folk art. But I'll tell anybody, that's what you're going to feel. When you walk into that door of Smith Robertson Museum, it's like a new religion mm-hmm. because the ancestors are right there and you feel them. You feel them, and they're there to guide you throughout the experience of of what it was to be and is to be an African-American in Mississippi. Well, just talk a little bit more about the importance of this museum. It, it is Black History Month, and, uh, you know, sometimes uh, people say, well, why does black history have to be reduced to the shortest month of mm-hmm. the year? But you have somewhere like this museum where you can go in there at any time right. and get all the information you need. Uh, could you just uh, elaborate on the importance of black history and why do people even need to know it? Well, here's the thing. You know, I, I was looking up. I love James Baldwin, and mm-hmm. I found this quote that says, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Mm-hmm. You face it when you come into Smith Robertson Museum. Someone called me the other day uh, and asked a question, what are y'all doing for black history? I said, living, eating, breathing, being. Oh, and she right. said, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's what you get when you come to Smith Robertson. We'll open Monday through Friday, Saturday, 10 to 1. So the history is there. What it is is getting us to understand that our history is important. It's not being taught in the schools like it should be. It's, you know, everybody's uh, um, getting ready for test. But in order to, to have our children proud, in order for us to realize our legacy, we have to have it. We have to have our parents, our teachers, to bring these children into the warehouse, the storehouse of the history of a people that are of great, great credence, of great relevance. Mm-hmm. Without us, there would not be an America. Now, could you talk about how involved the community is? Do you often get uh, stories from uh, living legends, people who are still alive from the civil rights movement and people who want to tell their stories and contribute uh, their piece of history to the museum? Yeah, we have to give credence to Owen Brooks, uh, the late Owen Brooks, who was a, a phenomenal civil rights activist from Boston, Massachusetts, who made his home in Jackson, Mississippi. He did 88 oral histories of, of civil rights activists that were a part of of the freedom marchers, the freedom riders. He was a part of that. So we have those there in Smith Robertson. We we lift and we give homage to people like Fannie Lou Hamer. We lift and we give uh, credence to Hollis Watkins and Charlie Cobb and all of the all of the people, the women who were a part of that 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 time because we want our children to understand that the only way you can go into a, a place to eat, 
today is because of them, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. because of them going into the Woolworth, uh, Joan Trumpile and Moody, who wrote the book Coming of Age in Mississippi. Those people who were 16, 17 years old, who were afraid, but said, I want my legacy to be able to be on the same scale that everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Civil rights is important. We're getting ready to to open the, the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum, which is going to be a place to absorb and to understand the fight and that the the struggle continues and that even in the 21st century but we need to learn about it we need to learn about organizing we need to learn that not only do you organize but after the organization you have strategy and planning that you just don't give it up you go out there and march, and then you don't do anything the next day. Right. That's what those activists are teaching us. That's what they went through. They were they were intentional in what they did. They knew that we may die, but if we die, we don't die in vain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Does the Smith Robinson Museum playing a uh, role in the new Civil Rights Museum? We are the sister museum. Okay. All we right. are the sister museum. Got to have them. Oh, know. oh yeah, and and not only Smith Robinson, but. All the different small museums that would throughout the state of Mississippi will be a part of this big museum, which is going to be wonderful because people are interested in civil rights. People are interested in slavery. They want to know. I get people internationally all the time asking, talk to us about how was it to be a slave? What happened? Can you name people? Mm-hmm. That's important. Do y'all have any um, upcoming events coming up? I see you have one coming. We do. Uh, we do. We have uh, a new exhibit, and, and please excuse me for looking at the name because I forget it sometimes. But it's called Black Mecca, Black Prosperity, Black Life, the Fair Street Historic District, which was Black Mecca. That's yeah. where you came. Entertainment, everything. Yeah. 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 With the revival now. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, tell us what's the website. Where can people go to find more about Smith Robertson Museum? Well, we're under the city of Jackson Municipality. So once you go under there, you go to the Department of Human and Cultural Services and go under cultural and you'll find Smith Robertson Museum and Culture Center. We also have a Facebook page. Go to it. It'll tell you what's going on. Also like us and, and you'll see what's going on. And please, we're open Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 and Saturday, 10 to 1. If you want a tour. Call us for two weeks in advance because we're a small organization and we tell everybody you will get a comprehensive tour. When you walk in, you won't be the same when you walk out. That's, that's true. Right. Well, Ms. Pamela, thank you so much for being on thank today. You. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, we have to take a, a quick break and we're going to learn about what's going on at Grammy Museum Mississippi. But we want to give the answer to our trivia question. The Mississippi artist uh, who was nominated last year for I Can't Lose, which is on Mark Ronson's Uptown special album, is Kiane Starr, and she's of Clinton. Uh, so that was the answer to that trivia question. But we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll learn about Grammy Museum Mississippi. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Ridgeland, Mississippi Fine Arts Festival, April 1st and 2nd at the Renaissance at Colony Park, with fine art and live entertainment, featuring the Sante South Wine Festival and Oboe Tandem Cycling Rally. Details at RidgelandArtsFest.com. 
For moments in black history, we salute Indasia Ida Mae Holland, best known for her play From the Mississippi Delta. Indasia Holland made her way from poverty and prostitution in the Jim Crow South to civil rights activism and ultimately a Ph.D. from the University of Minnesota. With the help from the civil rights organization SNCC, Indasia bettered her life and the lives of others. Her play From the Mississippi Delta leaves a legacy of making a way from no way. This has been MPB's Moment in Black History. some current exhibits they have. Good morning to you, Vicki. Thanks for being on. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. I understand that the Grammy Museum Mississippi is about to celebrate its one-year anniversary, and I think you've been there from the start. So how has it been thus far? It has been great. You know, we've had almost 30,000 visitors since we've opened. Over 5,000 students have come to the door, and people from all over the world, and of course the state of Mississippi. And so we're just happy to be here and and great to have all of the visitors come in and stop through. Now, you said 5,000 students. I would go so far as to say that everybody who comes in is a student because they're learning so much. Would you agree with that? Definitely, most definitely. There are a lot of people who are learning about things that they didn't realize, hey, that person is from Mississippi. We hear that all of the time, especially in our Mississippi Gallery area. Now, with that 30,000 visitor number, how many of those people are coming from out of town, even out of the country? There are a lot of people coming from all over the U.S. As a matter of fact, there are only three states where we're missing people uh, from, and we've had people from over 17 countries. Wow, that is amazing. So we're just spreading the message of Mississippi music everywhere. That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about Grammy Week. Makes sense. Grammy Museum Mississippi. Grammy Week makes a lot of sense. Could you talk about the the Sister Museum and how you guys are in conjunction with the museum in L.A.? Do you have some of the same exhibits up, or how does that work? The Grammy Museum at L.A. Live, they right now are helping us with curating a lot of the exhibits that are here. For instance, the Stephen Ray Vaughan exhibit, they curated that one, and we do work a lot with them hand-in-hand in in providing exhibits, spotted facts, and and programming as well. Talk a little bit more about that C.B. Ray Vaughan exhibit. It's been up since last summer, and it's coming to a close uh, pretty quickly. But what are some things that people can find in this exhibit? Well, it's a very personal exhibit. You have, of course, some of his Grammys, his original headpieces. You know, he he was big into stage outfits. We have handwritten lyrics and things of that nature. And just like you said, It's been up for a while, and we want to make sure that people don't miss it before it closes on the 19th of this month. Now, you use the word curate as something that the L.A. Live Museum is helping you do. I think Jimmy Vaughn uh, was a curator of the Stevie Ray Vaughn exhibit. What does that mean? Can, Can anybody be a curator? What goes into that process? Curator's job is pretty extensive, and it's it's not something that everyone does, but it's making sure that we are taking care of people's treasures. These are one-of-a-kind things, and you have to be able to handle them with care, take care of them, display them properly. And there's a lot that goes into it, and we try to do our very best to make sure that we're showcasing people's artifacts and the things that they treasure, but we're doing it in a very professional manner. How often do you get the average person to come in and offer a donation for somebody in the museum that, that you're trying to feature? Ever so often we have someone um, to come in and say, hey, we have this rare piece, you know, what do you think about it? And if it's something that we can display, sometimes we also have people like Steve LeVere 
family, we have his Grammy in the evolution exhibit area. So it happens, but most of the time we have the curatorial team that is working with the states and families to bring those sorts of artifacts to the museum. Well, let's talk a little bit about Grammy Week. I know you guys have been celebrating all week. You've had plenty of events, and gallery talk is one thing that's been consistent throughout the week. What exactly is that? Well, gallery talks, they're informal discussions that kind of highlight the significance of special exhibits, you know, artifacts or artists that are, are displayed or in the museum. And so what we've had throughout the week, we've had, a representative, actually the executive director for the B.B. King Museum to come and talk about B.B. King's legacy. We talked about Elvis Presley today, and we just have everything from Monday to Saturday. This afternoon and this evening, you have some things going on. Jimmy Rogers, he's going to be the award recipient this morning, and the kids rock the red carpet. So talk about what's going on this evening. The kids rock the red carpet. It's a way to allow kids to kind of experience the excitement all around uh, Grammy and Grammy Awards. So they actually have a red carpet, photography. They'll have a dance contest, name that tune type contest, and, of course, DJ and dancing, food and drink, and even an ice cream bar. So it'll be a lot of excitement for the kids. We're going to skip to Sunday. I think the Grammys actually come on Sunday. Are you guys going to live stream and, and just make a big deal out of it? Most definitely. We're definitely going to have some of the live streaming of the um, the premiere ceremony before uh, the 530 event where we have a members-only event where we're kicking off live from L.A. It's Grammy night. So, again, walking the red carpet, and we'll have live music by the Cedric Burnside Project. Do you know anybody who's in L.A. right now representing Mississippi for the uh, Grammy week? Most definitely. Uh, first of all, our executive director, uh, Emily Havens, is there, Bobby Rush. Steve Azar. There are a lot of Mississippi representatives out there now at Mississippi Night and enjoying the festivities. Yeah, I know Mississippi Night is going to be exciting, especially I think uh, Bobby Rush and Vestai Jackson are both up for Grammys, and that's just an amazing accomplishment for them and for Mississippi. Most definitely. Could you talk a little bit about how people can go about touring the museum? They can jump online on our website. That's www.grammymuseummss.org and plan their visit there. They can also call us at 662-441-0100. And should people expect a pretty interactive experience? Are there some hands-on things at the museum? Uh, probably the, the most technologically advanced museum, especially music-themed museum in the South. And so you're not just looking at things through the glass. We have plenty of artifacts, but they're always um, interactive from the guitars, and guitars in the rolling room to the dance floor. It's on and on. Sounds good. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for being on today, and I hope the Grammy week at the museum is a success. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. All right, great show today, Java. Thank you so much for yeah, being on today. Me. Sam Wells was our board operator and producer, and Kevin Farrell was our call screener. Stay tuned. Southern Remedy for Women is coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.